Want to know if your supply chain partners are financially solvent? Ask the crowd. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. And this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Global business runs on credit, so it's essential that companies have confidence in the stability and reliability of their suppliers. In most organizations, that information resides with a credit manager. Obviously, one person, regardless of how expert he or she might be, can't possibly possess the breadth of knowledge needed to accurately assess a universe of suppliers. But many such individuals? That's another matter entirely. Turns out the so-called wisdom of crowds can be successfully applied to the determination of financial risk. Today we'll learn of an innovative service that does that very thing. My guest is Jerry Flum, CEO of Credit Risk Monitor. He'll describe how the company developed an aggregated financial risk score called FRISK that determines the probability of a public company failing within 12 months. We'll learn about the benefits and limitations of crowdsourcing for that purpose. And we'll find out why the crowd beats individual experts every time. So here is my conversation with Jerry Flum. Jerry Flum, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. Great to have you again. I want to start this discussion by asking you a very basic question. Who is this animal called the credit manager in an organization? What does that individual do? How do they go about assessing financial risk? I'm glad you asked that question because I think it is misunderstood. Credit managers have an extraordinarily difficult job and one that takes enormous amount of finesse. What they do is after somebody in sales department at their company makes a sale, the credit manager's one of his functions is to assess whether they should ship those products that have just been sold on credit. In other words, if a company buys $500,000 worth of widgets, company A sends the widgets out and they leave the factory and now they send a note out there, you owe us $500,000, 210 net 30 or 230 net 90. What it says is, if you pay us in 10 days, we can take 2% off the bill, but you need to pay us in 30 days. So there's an extension of credit. And it's a very delicate relationship because that credit manager is, needs to stay on top of a customer. In other words, he needs to get paid, and at the same time, he needs to have enough of a relationship with the buyer that he's not irritating people. So the first thing is it's an enormous, powerful position because credit managers are extending this trade credit, and 99% of all business-to-business -business transactions in the world 
are an extension of trade credit. So it's trillions of dollars that these credit managers are extending, and it is the maximum amount or the largest part of the working capital of the companies that they're extending trade to. I have to think that post-recession, the role of the credit manager has become even more oh. vital given the, the wide-scale failure of so many suppliers in the wake of that recession, correct? Absolutely. It's a very delicate job. They don't get enough credit. It takes an enormous amount of ingenuity, finesse. They're taken for granted. For me, this was a new world. 20 years ago when I came into the credit world, I knew nothing about credit managers. And it was a shock to me because I come out of the investment world. So I've been looking at public companies and companies all over the world for 30 or 40 years. Not to have an understanding of how integral and how difficult a job it is and how important it was, it was like a shock to me. And most of my friends in the investment world really don't have a, a really interesting understanding of what is the credit manager function. Mm-hmm. So it's a great question. I think, look, these guys are uh, holding the working capital of the world. If the credit managers get upset with Company X, they can put Company X out of business. And in yeah. fact, the government has special rules of what credit managers can do and not do. That's how sensitive it is. Up to now... How has the job of the credit manager been carried out traditionally? Where does this individual get his or her information? Well, credit managers can get information from a wide variety of sources. However, the data that they get is very, very difficult to deal with, especially on private companies, because there they can only get data on whether that company is paying its bills or not because there are no financials to look at. And financials are the backbone of how you analyze a company. If they're not available, uh, you need to use other sources. They'll never be as good as financial statements. So the analyzing of public companies is much more in-depth. And their credit managers go out into the world and deal, get the financials, and then get as much data as humanly possible beyond the financials. In other words, they want somebody who is also analyzing all those financials and help them analyze it. And then they want very sophisticated scores that can help them analyze that data. And so they're looking at all of those sources of information. And it's a really big and difficult job. It takes a lot of time because there's an enormous amount of data on the uh, public company sites. There is recently, in the last couple of years, our company has pioneered a way of looking at credit managers and assessing how they're working as a group looking at a company. Let me give you an example. In a public company, there is a doctrine that went in several years ago called fair disclosure restrictions. And what they were, the government was concerned that the investment community or friends of people in a company were getting information on a public company that was not available to the public. And therefore, they had an advantage over the public when they invested. And so the fair disclosure rule came in and basically, I'm paraphrasing, basically said, look, if there's anything that an investment guy or talks to a person inside a public company that's material, which the government chose not to define, uh, which means damn near anything, if it's material and it's disclosed to the investment guy, the public company has to put out a press release and the investment guy can't trade until the press release is out. What happened, the result of that was public companies stopped talking to the investment community. In other words, because it was just too risky. So right now, that major source of getting information on public companies evaporated with the fair disclosure doctrine. 
Credit mm. managers, on the other hand, got a buy. In other words, they got an exclusion from the Fair Disclosure Act. And their disclosure was they went to the government and they said, look, if 99% of all the orders in the world, whenever a sale happens in a B2B transaction, if there's an extension of trade credit, if we can't make sure that that company is going to pay us back in a timely manner and pay us back, then we can't extend all this trade credit because it's too risky for us. And we need to get an exclusion from fair disclosure. They have to know the information, yeah. Yeah, they have to know it. It's not like they're an investment fund and they're trading stocks. They need yeah. to know it or their company is going to go out of business. So what happened is the government gave them an exclusion. So now credit managers can talk to any public company, and the public company can decide not to talk to them, but they can't hide behind, hey, there's a fair disclosure requirement. I can't speak to you. So... Credit managers now get information that's so interesting and different than anybody in the world gets, and that's why they're an important group. They're critical to the survival of a company. Therefore, a company is going to, for the most part, be very honest with them. And number two is they're allowed to get that information. And so what's happened is our company has been able to crowdsource these credit managers because we have a site at Creditors Monitor which allows us to crowdsource credit managers. And there's a reason for it. One, we've established that they're a critical group that affects the well-being of any corporation, which is important to suppliers as well as to people who sell to companies. In other words, people who buy from companies or sell. You want to make sure that the financial well-being of that company is in good shape. Credit managers have this exemption, which allows them to understand this better and ask questions, and we crowdsource them. Now, how did we at Credit Responder get in that position? What happened was we developed a site 20 years ago, which is a very structured site. In other words, as somebody comes on our site, a credit manager, most companies aren't in trouble, but those that begin into under our system to show trouble, our credit managers start to click on different parts of the site. And because we have years and years of data, we were able to see that when large groups of credit managers come in and get concerned with a company and, and click on certain parts of our site or the sequence of it, we begin to see if that company is beginning to run into trouble and nobody else in the world can understand or see that kind of data. You were doing that back then. Yes, but we didn't understand. In other words, we collected the data, but we never collected it until the last three or four years and say, hey, is there patterns developing on how mm -hmm. they click on the data? And once we began to look back, we said, my God, there's powerful patterns of all these credit managers on where they're clicking on our site when they're looking at a company. If they click here, 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 and here, holy cow, that company's in trouble. And these guys have information that nobody else in the world has. And if they get upset with a company, just the very act of getting upset with a company is powerful enough to be very disruptive for that company. Listen, we didn't even understand this ourselves until four years or five years ago. We collected the data, thank God, and have it for years and years and years. But we didn't understand that, my God crowdsourcing of the credit managers would be so predictive. You were able to formalize it now yes, in the yes. form of this Frisk score, which we're going to right. talk about in just one, one second. Uh, I do want to talk about that, but I just want to get a sense of the size of the so-called crowd, because obviously the concept of crowdsourcing yes. is the bigger the crowd, yes. the more likely the accuracy of the combined information of that crowd. So how Absolutely. big is this crowd 
that comes together with these, with this intelligence. Yes. On our job. Well, here's the deal. We now have an our subscriber base, many, many large companies, because we analyze, the, the bulk of our analyzing when we began was public companies. So therefore, we attracted as our clientele in uh, our service large, large companies all over the world. And between 35 and 40% of the Fortune 1000 are our subscribers, plus oh, well over thousands of other companies, large companies all over the world, and tons of credit managers and even purchasing managers. So it's a very interesting large crowd. And it's a crowd that's extraordinarily well-versed and educated in the difficulties because these are really trained risk offices at all these large corporations around the world. So mm-hmm. it's a big group and well-educated group, and you're absolutely right. In crowdsourcing, the larger the group, the more important and more predictive it is. And for some reason, experts always come in second to crowdsourcing. In other words, for some reason that nobody's been able to explain, you can take five experts, in this case, credit analysts who talk to a company, and those five experts will never be as predictive as the large crowd. And part of it is the smarter you are, experts, the more you will overestimate what you know. And therefore, your decisions have built into them a behavioral modification that you can't control. The best example I can say about that, and this is, uh, I hope you'll bear with me on this, but let's take bloodletting or or blood leaching a long time ago. The world's experts in blood leaching, those five world's experts were the last guys in the world to know that blood leaching was no longer the way to go. Well, it was their job. How could they know? (laughs) You know, they're the smartest guys. They've heard every argument why it doesn't work. They're brilliant. Mm -hmm. They are smart and brilliant, but they're overestimating what they know. And that's true in every category. The smartest people in the world have a basic built-in jugular vein problem with predictions. Mm -hmm. But your crowd consists of experts, though. Yes, they do, but there's so many of them. It's the preponderance of a shared opinion among them. Yes, yes. In other words, what we're able to do now electronically is pretty wild. It allows us to crowdsource a lot of people doing business with Company X from all over the world in multiple different industries, all doing business company-y. And if they're getting concerned, they click on certain parts of our site, and we can see it. We take everybody's name off. We don't disclose it, and we're able to look at these patterns. And what we picked up over the last four years or five years when we start, we added it to the Frisk score, and it absolutely adds to the predictability. In fact, the crowdsourcing as a standalone is predictive in companies that are risky. So the Frisk score, as I understand it, yes, it's based on... Current financial statements, yes. stock market volatility, yes. market cap, yes. bond agency ratings. Our Frisk model was 96% predictive of bankruptcy over the next year. When we added mm-hmm. the crowdsourcing, it used to be three indicators that were built into the Frisk score. Adding the crowdsourcing dramatically helped us in the companies who were risky. In other words, it doesn't help us in the companies that aren't risky right now because credit managers aren't going to look at those companies. They're saying, hey, look, it's not risky. We look on the site. It's got a frisk score of 8 or 9 or 10. It's not risky. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to look at these three things, and then I'm gone. It's only negatively oriented. Yes. 
that's what makes mm-hmm. it so exciting for everybody. And why I believe that if the procurement part, which, by the way, is roughly 25 or 30% of our business now, because procurement guys are understanding, saying, yes, absolutely, it's going to tell me if my supplier is having difficulty. Because if I can get ahead of that game, I can find alternatives. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the problems as a company gets into trouble, they do, not because they're bad people, they spend less money on quality control, they spend less money on research, they spend less money on training, not because they're bad, but because they're fighting for their economic life. Well, you said 96% accurate before? Yes. If so, what is it now with crowdsourcing? It's higher. Don't ask me to go into the, to the pure details. I'll tell you where it really comes in. Where it really helps is in the Frisk five, four, three, two, one. In other words, in our scoring, if you look at it, ten is the highest, one is the lowest. If you get into the five, four, three, two, and one, you're starting to get risky. All of a sudden, we begin to see the credit managers where they're clicking on our site really adds an element which gives a very, very good uplift to understanding if a company is really in trouble. Jerry, are there any drawbacks, any limitations to the use of crowdsourcing as a tool for gaining insight on public companies? You know, that's a great question. I assume, now this is going to be uh, tongue-in-cheek, I would assume that if somebody could figure out how to hack our system and get into it, they could try to impact how we collect the crowdsourcing. I don't see a downside. What we tell purchasing guys and credit guys is, look, we have enough stuff on our site to take apart a company in detail. What we're trying to get you to do is prioritize who you're spending the time on. In other words, we're saying don't make that decision just solely on the Frisk score or the crowdsourcing score. We're saying that tells you now get deeper and deeper because we do such in-depth financial ratio analysis and S&P stuff and Moody stuff and suits, liens. We have so much information that we put in and uh, put in one place for the credit manager or the purchasing manager. Now, hopefully, I'm assuming that the credit manager is not selling to 1,000 companies and 999 of them are going out of business because then they would have too much to do. And I'm also saying, hopefully, a purchasing manager is not in the same boat. But it does say to him, listen, I've got 10 suppliers of mine, and they're in trouble. And um, actually, up on our site, we have a peer review analysis, so we'll give you every single competitor of that company with the scores so that you can start to pick alternative guys who don't have financial risk. Now, Bob, I want to hasten right up front. We're not measuring environmental risk. We're not measuring labor risk. We're measuring financial risk. These mm-hmm. other risks get reflected because one part of our scores is the stock price of the market price, market volatility of the, of the stock. So if there are other problems, it starts to reflect in those free trading market prices. But again, we're geared to saying to everybody, look, this company or companies are having more and more difficult financially. Therefore, you, Mr. Purchasing Manager, you, Mr. Credit Manager, you need to now come on our site in and look at it, break apart, we break apart annual numbers, quarterly numbers. All we want the guys to do is to come in and use it and assess how much risk they really see now. Okay, so real quickly, we're almost out of time, but I'm looking ahead at a future with a lot of volatility and a lot of uncertainty. We're seeing interest rates going up. We're seeing this whole cryptocurrency thing come up with a possible bubble there. All kinds of dangers down the road. Can you get better 
in your crowdsource assessments, and if so, how? Well, I want to tell you that the key thing to remember and why crowdsourcing is so important is that we're not saying the whole world's going to go out of business. What this is is a game of choice. If we can find in your suppliers, you have 10 suppliers, we can find three that are more risky and there are seven who are less risky, what we're saying is the riskier it gets out in the world, maybe that seven goes down to six or five, but at least if you have a system in place, you can start to move your purchasing to more secure companies. Or if you're a credit manager, you can go to your VP of sales and say, why are we spending promotional dollars to do business with company X when they're in financial straits and risky? Why don't we take that promotional budget and use it at another company and try and sell them? In other words, this allows you as a professional, purchasing professional or a credit professional, to make a judgment and shift where you're going to do business with. Now, if the entire world is going to end as a meteor coming from Mars, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't care. Not part of the first score, I'm afraid. But but we're trying to present alternatives for these uh, groups of people because there are alternatives. There will always be alternatives available, and we really want to match our guys up with the best at least move them in the right direction. Again, I find this crowdsourcing. Now, this is my prejudice surfacing. It's the most exciting thing I've seen in a long time because it allows us to take these large group of experts and bring them into a room and not ask them a question like, what do you think of this or what do you think of that? It's what are they actually doing? How interesting that the wisdom of crowds contributes to the yes. wisdom of an individual, in this case, the credit risk manager, drawing out that information. Jerry Flum, it's delight to speak with you again. It's oh, always uh, an education. Thank you yeah. so much for this being with us today. Thank you for, for uh, allowing this to happen. I really enjoyed this. That was my conversation with Jerry Flum of Credit Risk Monitor, talking about the use of crowdsourcing as a way to assess financial risk. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.